Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Knucklehead Grappler. Today's guest is Rama Reddy. He's a jiu-jitsu brown belt, MMA instructor, commentator for We Love MMA, and all-round martial arts renaissance man. This was quite a free-form conversation where we went from kimuras to kushti. I hope you enjoy the episode, and if you haven't already, please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Podbean. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Doing very well. It's a nice sunny day in Berlin. Lovely. So you're in oh, so you're in Berlin, are you? I'm in Berlin now, yeah. Oh, okay, awesome. How is it all going over there? Pretty good. Uh, today is Pentecost, so it's a technically a day off, but my co-working space is run by a bunch of angels, so the place is open, so I can come here and they have, you know, some trees and it's nice. Yeah. Have are the gyms open in Berlin or not? No, they're not open yet. Um, tomorrow is when I hear they open, but they're not allowing for contact classes yet. So it might just be solo work. It's a tricky thing, solo work. I don't know how that's even going to work. Yeah. Like, so in Australia, they've said that the 22nd, like, commercial gyms can open. Uh-huh. But we haven't heard anything at all in regards to jiu-jitsu. They're saying up to about two months to full contact. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense to me. I mean, like, I'm, I remember seeing a lot of uh, Professor Will's posts also, and he's, like, <laughs> very realistic and very concerned and just, like, being an absolute. I, I saw that, for example, that he's not taking dues for um, the yeah. time that you're closed, right? That's, that's pretty cool. It's, it's fantastic, in fact. Like, this, mm-hmm. he's one of the lucky ones where he's not living week to week, so it's... yeah. It's easy for him, but there are definitely some gyms out here that have like completely shut down and aren't yeah. back up again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, actually what's happening with one of our locations in India. So it's uh, right. I understand. Yeah, right. Now, let's get into it. So, whereabouts, how did your martial arts journey begin? I started with wrestling um, as a seventh grader in the u.s and shoreland school district and it was uh something of a shock to me like i you know i always loved the idea of wrestling and then my you know i told my mom i was going to do it and she was like okay sure and like i thought since i loved it so much i'd be good at it and i just got trashed by everybody and uh and like you know just doing everything you know doing everything wrong putting a half nelson in from referees and just getting tossed and you know putting my uh, hips and head on the same side of a move and just like wondering where the leverage went. And um, I learned a lot from it. And then when I was 17, 18, I started training with a guy named Brian Johnson at Northwest Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And he mm-hmm. is a black belt under um, the Machados and Will. So John Will was actually on the phone when he got his black belt in 2005, I think I was there. I remember John Will being on the phone. Do you know Dave Meyer? I do. I do. Yeah, so, so Dave Meyer was actually physically in the gym and uh, John Will was on the phone as uh, he, they gave um, Brian his black belt. He has a lot, of, a lot of like loving stories about Brian Johnson and about how much of an absolute savage he was as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... yeah it, it continues, man. That guy, you know, I, God, how old is he now? I mean, it must be like... 13 or 14 years older than me. So, you know, uh, you know, late-ish 40s and he's still a beast. Like, you know, if you, 
if you get complacent in some place, um, you know, he's finishing you and he's not necessarily playing like a sweep and then I'm going to mount you and control you game. He's like trying to kill you like at every yeah. step. So it's like, you know, very much a, a lethal form of jiu-jitsu, you know? Yeah, definitely. There's, there's definitely lots of stories involving dislocated elbows and continuing kind of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Which is, which okay. to me is crazy. Like the old days of jiu-jitsu to me just seemed like a different world. Like Yeah. One of those things yeah, where I mean, you can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, how I've experienced jiu-jitsu. But, like, American and, like, or modern jiu-jitsu is just such a different culture from, you know, what it was, uh, you know, like, from the late 90s. Not that I experienced it in the late mm-hmm. 90s, but from what we see and what we understand and, like, how the matches played out and everything else. Like, it was a very different uh, culture that mm-hmm. has developed from that. Right. Now... Your jiu-jitsu journey, are you, obviously you're still rolling, you're a, you're a black belt, am I right? Or? I'm a brown belt. Okay. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm brown belt under, under Brian, but um, yeah. Yeah, how, how, have you found, how have you found your journey so far? Like how have you, have, have you obviously because you're not in the States, have you needed to take your, your learning to, um, like yourself learning to the next level kind of thing? Yes. I mean, you have to really own your, your learning. And it's mm-hmm. something I tell my students a lot too, like, you know, try to own your learning. And like, when we're going through the curriculum, don't think of this as something I'm trying to inject into you. Like this mm-hmm. is something that you bring into yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's a, an important aspect of learning anything. And, you know, jiu-jitsu, especially, especially when you're like away from your, you know, homeschool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's been, I, I come from a teaching background, so I, oh, okay, taught, high wow. school. I, I taught high school in, in the U.S. Yeah, and, cool. Um, and uh, so I, I want to say that, I've, that I have a lot of these ideas of teaching methodology and learning methodology inculcated within me. Yeah, I was just about to ask, how do you think that's influenced your martial arts teaching? I'm super duper nerdy. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's like maybe the the big thing. Like, um, I think winning is is really cool and stuff. But like, I would much prefer like if I'm rolling with somebody, I'd much prefer a good roll than either one of us get smashed. Correct. I'm, yeah. I'm totally on the same page. Um, I find that competition is fantastic for being able mm-hmm. to hit that final gear, like uh-huh. for you to experience like fifty yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the training room, you really shouldn't be going at that fifth year because mm. it's re- unless you've like owned that technique, it's really hard yeah. to pull it off. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like in the go, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just uh, thinking about, you know, obviously John Will and Dave Meyer were both uh, avid competitors mm-hmm. and uh, just thinking about like their training methodology. But like I have to say too, I, you know, I think they're, their methodology has changed too because, um, you know, they were always talking about how hard they used to go. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, wait, you know, like one day, our, you know, one day we're going to become, de- you know, decrepit and our joints won't work the same way. And, uh, you know, just how they've changed and then how they've said, look, we've, we did a bunch of things that were maybe suboptimal. And mm-hmm. here's how you could fix that in your practice. So just going back to your teaching background now, 
do you have so you i know you have a few schools in bangalore yeah so i mean i'll, I'll tell you my business model yeah, uh, so essentially yeah essentially we partner with gyms that already have existing spaces and maybe they have like an extra you know 1500 square feet and then we say to them hey uh you can have a turnkey operation school here um and we can provide 20 hours of of instruction a week if you'd like it and here's what it is and then um it's been great for us uh we have basically no overhead um aside from salaries and it is yeah i find it to be a very functional thing and while for example right now we have to i'm not sure how much of the you know the stuff behind the curtain i should show but i think this is valuable for anyone that's entering into um, the martial arts business um right now for example the gym that's shutting down is shutting down because the gym that is there, um, the landlord is just, you know, having, did not want to compromise on the deposit or the rent or anything. And uh, because of that, they're shutting down, but directly that has no, that has no immediate adverse effects for us, except that we just have fewer places to, you know, fewer hours to teach within a, a given week. So, and that can be waylaid. Like we can, move that to one of the other two locations and you know then we're we're okay you know and like my the boys are okay so um you know i would say if you're going to be entering into the martial arts business try to go in a more incremental model um and i think this is this is a very that was a very good incremental model for us because at this point i can you know do stuff um, remotely and in crises like this we're not really facing a direct impact. We just have to, you know, I feel bad for the gym owners uh, that are there, but you know, our students are still there and I'm still engaging with them. And you know, we're still engaging as a community and you know, wherever we go after that, we'll still be okay. Right, right. So you're still, you, you said you're still engaging with your students. What kind yes. of instruction are you doing at the moment? So I was doing like a weekly, talk with them but um now it's just it's turned into straight like remote jiu-jitsu classes over zoom uh, yeah, over okay. you know or skype or whatever and um it's fine i mean i you know i can't do it forever but like it's a it's an okay holdover so yeah. basically do a, a warm-up we you know we're trying to get like a sweat out of us and mm -hmm. then we do a, a film study so we look at a famous match or we watch like a technique that we're working on and mm -hmm. then we talk about that and the movements involved in that and then try to use the movements from the warm-up to create each of those movements and then we end with a, a hit a high intensity interval training and I find that to be like a pretty solid uh, you know hour and uh, but yeah can't be do can't do it forever like looking forward to when we can start you know, grabbing each other and sneezing on each other. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Now, I find that really interesting. Now, so you actually incorporate the warm-up, and as a stereotypical purple belt, I am not fantastic with warm-ups. Uh -huh. So how do you – so what you're saying, for example, if you're going for a double leg, you are incorporating the movements of a double leg in the warm-up. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. uh, or yeah, and uh, you know, something we'll do a lot are shots. So we'll do like a duck walk or something. Make sure that the 
we have like knee stability and that we're, our feet are on the ground, our toes are engaged. Um, so things like that. Yeah. So it could be something like, okay, so check out this, this um, no tie double leg. So he's doing a turn snap, wait, wait for it, wait for him to come up. All right, go. I uh, just, you know, simple, simple things like that, making sure that we're actually looking for the proper cues. So yes, um, if I'm practicing a double leg or something to, you know, something even as complicated as a double leg, yeah. I would do something like you're talking about. Yeah. Cool. 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 Now someone say, for example, asks you what the fundamentals of jujitsu are. I know that's a super vague question because mm -hmm. there are so many, what would you say the fundamentals for yourself of jujitsu are? What would you think the pride movements for lack of a better word would be? Well, I, I think there was an interesting study about this and I, I forget who it was, but essentially they had looked at a bunch of solo drills and what they found were there are always two that were incorporated in every, everybody's um, warmups. So mm. those were the bridge and the shrimp. Mm. Now, if like, those are important. I definitely think those are important. And uh, I also add something that is downward facing, which is the hip switch um, with the, each hip hitting the ground, which I think are the sit out uh, as wrestlers call it. And uh, yeah, so those to me in terms of fundamental movements where we're like engaging every part of the, of the body that our, our hips are moving properly, that we can angle the hips and we're able to put them at um, an like we can move them along the x-axis, the y-axis, and the z-axis, right? We can move within a certain depth. So with those three movements, you, can, you have all of those. So you have x, y, and z, and you have them downward facing and upward facing. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, that's a lot to ingest. I'm just, the thing is, I've, I'm just like personally just going through my own jiu-jitsu yeah. game. And sometimes in jiu-jitsu we can... Uh, for like we can start just accumulating techniques mm -hmm. you know without it actually connecting to a particular yes. like a game per se yeah or we can be looking at so like a youtube clip and then get frustrated with it when we add it to our repertoire because mm -hmm. you haven't you kind of haven't repped it properly or you haven't mm -hmm. you haven't gone to the, the, the someone say negated that and then you kind of left with nothing. Okay. So like, what's the last technique that you, what's the last technique that you wish you could have incorporated? So I have been kind of playing with Kimuras from the bottom, mm -hmm. but I find that like they just get like completely smashed. Like I know like, you, for example, when you have the Kimura from from the bottom, like I said, from bottom half guard, person okay. will, will stuff it between their legs. Yep. Now, there is a technique where you go over and kind of like show your back and then come all the way around and get uh -huh. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just can't get it there. Like a, it's kind of like, from memory, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I mean, cool. I, yeah, I mean, how how big are your are your um, training partners compared to you? 
Ah, very. I'm I'm small. I'm tiny. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm like I'm five eight. So like, and most most people around here about like six six one. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, so man. Yeah. I didn't know they made Australians that big. Just yeah. Like no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One of the smaller guys, and and I'm not flexible as well. So like, <laughs> uh, which I mean, like I've been thinking about this a lot. Like I love the Kimura because I kind of have this like you know big you know, like longish arms and I'm kind of gangly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to recognize it also as like, you know, it works if you're, uh, it works better if you're bigger and stronger than the guy, or you have like a, like a really good squeeze downwards with your lats. Like it, it works really well then. But yeah. if you're um, a little bit smaller or you don't have the same kind of leverage on somebody, like their elbow will peek out of the, up there and then you're kind of just like yeah, on the wrist and stuff so like in there so you can control the elbow and yeah i've been thinking about that a lot too yeah because uh, yeah. i love i love the kimura yeah it's one of my favorites like especially the like the double wrist locks as well like as in like the catch the catch way like the reverse one that one's a great one because people don't expect it that's like where you look like you're folding your arms definitely. yeah so like there's a there's this move uh, it's online um dean lister shows it so he goes over as in over on the other side on the back side and then kind of pulls it oh in. yeah so it's kind of like it's kind of like a hammerlock but like from the front okay yeah interesting yeah okay i'm gonna take a look at that that looks uh that sounds really funky yeah i'll send it to you it's crazy that and like a cobra clutch i haven't even heard of a cro- cobra clutch before is that where you are able to lift them back up? No, it's when like their you, face. So you have the you're in mount, uh-huh. and instead of going for the americana, you kind of bring the the arm over like this, and then it's kind of like an Ezekiel with like a nogi Ezekiel. Oh, so we interesting. Kind of, so we grab there and go bang like that. I've just cool. kind of. And at the lifter thing? That one is just a catch thing. I've kind of been like going down a rabbit hole with catch wrestling. Ah, okay. Just because here it's like, I think the only exposure like Australians would have had to catch wrestling would have been when Dean Lister was beaten by Josh Barnett and Meta Morris all those yeah. years ago. Like, yeah, yeah. But that's about it. Like, Have you, have you spoken to Sonny Brown yet? I have. I have online. Okay. Briefly, okay. and he's like, I know he's like deep in the wrestling luck. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good guy to talk to, also. Um, yeah, you know, and we 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 nerd out about catch and folk style and all that stuff too. Yeah, um, so he might be a good person to talk to. Mm. So like you're having, so you like kimuras, but you're having trouble incorporating that one kimura technique where you step over. Yeah, like this. Well, one- I'm sorry. Yeah. There's one called a choy bar where it's just you bring your leg over onto the other side. Yes, I like that one. Yeah, that one's good. But most people like are kind of expecting, like when you have it in half guard, they're expecting, like if you grab that hand, they're kind of expecting the Kimura. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just something I've been wrestling with. Now, what would you say your... I would just like you to describe your teaching style. What would your teaching style be like in a martial arts setting? What do you like? Are you one of those people? Uh, that, yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to be. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, in the last few years, especially, I tried to get people having functional techniques as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So like the first seven, I have to say like the first seven classes I run are like super duper structured. Um, like, I, you know, I know exactly what you're going to learn on the first seven classes, the, the first seven classes you do. With me. Um, and I find that um, that gives people the ability, you know, if we imagine that techniques are words, it gives abil- the ability for people to have like conversations with people, right? So by the end of the class, I'm hoping you have one escape, one sweep at least at the, at the end of the first day. So that way, when you roll with somebody at the end of the class, yeah, they're going to have you know, maybe they're, maybe they're even a black belt. That's fine. They're going to do a move and they'll end up in side control. You will, and you will know how to escape from side control. You side control escape, you're in full guard, you hit your sit up sweep or whatever. They're in mount. They can do any mount escape in the goddamn universe. Mm-hmm. And then they can, they can, you know, you can kind of maintain that idea of conversation. Um, so I'm, uh, that's what I'm trying to build initially. And then um, as time goes on and, you know, if it's a smaller class too, I'll do this even if it's a relatively new person that's in class, I've been trying to give people like micro skills and then playing games from those. So I'll say, I'll say, all right, we're starting from side control. You have one knee in, you're trying to get back to full guard and then go, you know, and then we can make it harder or easier, easier depending on where the person is having trouble or how easy they're finding it. And how are you finding that like progress was with people? Great. Yeah. Really, really, really good, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, people find it really fun too, uh, which is good, which uh, keeps them coming back. Yeah, that's, that's the main thing. Like sometimes grappling in particular can be quite intimidating for mm-hmm. people, especially, especially the first six months. It's a learning curve. You're finding aches and pains where you didn't know they existed. And mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's fun. That's I at um, at my gym. I'm starting to help out with the kids' class, and I think. Oh, good man. Good. Yeah, that's is that is that Red Cat? Yeah, it's Red Cat. Yeah. Cool, cool. And um, it's that like teaching children is a learning curve, but also like keeping it engaging as well. Mm-hmm. And the more engaging like it is, the more they want to come back. Yes, exactly. Kids, I mean, kids are a whole nother animal. Like, I mean, it it has to be like all games. Yeah. Uh, Just, yeah. I mean, you you have to like keep an eye on everyone and you kind of have to, you know, manage all these feelings of, you know, whatever. So it's always, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's my first class we were doing, we were doing arm bars, but like, it was like, you could just see people just throw, like kids just throwing themselves back with someone else's arm. I was like, oh, please. Yeah, there's no one dying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I guess with kids, I would, I would, like, kids, I would just be like, all right, here's a technique, yeah. and now we're just, we're rolling, all right? Yeah. We're going to roll, you're, and, and the game is get to the back, or get to the side control, or whatever. And every yeah. time you do it, we just kind of keep switching it out, and just, like, keep doing that the whole class until they get tired, and then their parents, uh, their parents will love you, too. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> just no one go to the hospital, please. Yes. I mean, the kids, I'm, yeah. I mean, there's a reason too. Like, and I mean, I don't know. I don't remember how old they have to be to actually start applying submissions in competition. I think it's quite. It's like ten or eleven, right? Maybe even twelve. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm pretty sure they can. Like, I don't know. Here, I've I've seen kids go at it like 
and full-blown competition. But, like, inevitably they always get stuck in that, you know, that classic, like, white ball position where it's just, like, shoulder on shoulder but just, like, doing... Oh, like standing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and someone inevitably falls down. Uh-huh. Well, take that points. I mean, those, that's, that's still... I, I actually, in a lot of ways, prefer watching kids' matches to, like you know, high level black belt matches because <laughs> yeah. they're like fun to watch at least. Like that's it. I mean, there's no, like no one gives a shit about advantages. That's it. Sometimes black belt matches, you're like, wow, you guys really aren't going for anything here, are you? Yeah. I mean like, you know, if you're trying to win, like you have to be conservative. I understand. But like, um, it doesn't mean it's a spectator sport. No, definitely not. Now, in terms of, your analysis, you are a commentator for I Love MMA in Germany. We Love MMA, yeah. We Love MMA, sorry. Yeah. Um, how, did, how did that come about and how do you think that influences your teaching style or your martial arts journey? That's a very interesting question. Okay, so the way it came about, um, literally I sent my CV to, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I, I'm a licensed um, referee and a licensed judge, and um, I just sent my, ref, my uh, CV to a friend, um, Frank Brzezinski, and he's a black belt out of uh, Hilti PGJ here in, here in uh, Berlin, and he was working as the matchmaker for We Love MMA. And, you know, he's a, you know, kind of a pillar of the scene, like he's been here forever. And uh, I said, hey, Frank, not sure if you need any help next week for your show, but um, give me a shout. And, you know, I just said, like, I can help with anything you need. Like, you know, I'll be a water boy if you need it. And um, he sent that to the promoter. And the promoter was like, hey, we actually need a commentator um, for English. Would you be interested in that? And... um, if I'm perfectly honest, there's nothing else I would rather do. <laughs> so, so uh, um, yeah, so then um, that was my first go, and that was like 2018. And, um, yeah, we've been working together ever since. And the second part of your question. Yeah, I just saw, like, how does it at all influence your learning, teaching style at all? That? Mm, this is interesting. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's funny because – you know, this is to shout out Andy at School of Grappling. We had discussed this. Like when a student comes into a jiu-jitsu class, they're like, hey, I want to do Khabib time. <laughs> you know? And then yeah. you're like, well, you know, is that, is that super advanced or is that super duper simple? And then, yeah. you know, if you, look at, if you look at his game, like it's, it's a very incremental, very – straightforward game. I mean, he has a lot of skill attached to it, but it's a, yeah. it's a game that more or less anyone could develop if they had that temperament and if they can, um, you know, if they want to build that system out. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this case, that kind of, it causes you to take a, you know, a double take at your system and say, all right, are we doing this? So there's, I mean, this coming from a teaching background, there's a lot of ways to kind of build somebody. Mm-hmm. So like, you could say it's prescriptive. Like we say, you know, you have to know this stuff and that's what's important to know. You can say it's like reflective where we're looking back at something and we say like, let's kind of build up, let's uh, 
you know, uh, look at what we already know. There's like an augmentative kind of idea, which is where you take what you're already good at and you build it on top of that. So if I said, oh, you know, Dan's really good at Kimuras already, let's um, teach him a reverse Kimura and then uh, and a fireman's carry and build his entire goddamn game around that. That'd be augmentative. And then the last one's like supplementary. Like, if we know there's a noticeable weakness within your game, let's just shore that up so that you're not caught with your pants down. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it made me think about what's important for a learn to learn. Um, and you know, in a, in a lot of ways reinforced <laughs> what I was already doing. Cause I was like, all right, like, you know, they, people need to know some shit. And if they don't know it, then they're just screwed for the rest of the time. So let's make sure that uh, people have the right base and then build off of that. And then they can become Khabib or Ryan Hall or yeah. whatever the hell they want to be. That's it. I was gonna say just on on Khabib, like the amount of hand traps I've been caught in since like yeah. Yeah, since the rise of Khabib. Yeah, it's been ridiculous. Yeah, and like you know, that's the same thing that uh, like Brock Lesnar finished Frank Mir in with uh, in their second fight. I'm not sure yeah, that's it. That. Yeah, the same exact thing, and uh, you know, Frank Mir was obviously finished by it, but um, it's uh, yeah. It's, it's been around, but it, it takes someone like Khabib maybe to show how effective that is. That's it. Um, I don't know if you're obviously aware of BJJ Scout and his work with the Khabib stuff. Just reminding of like the, the tripoding, like, and how I, for me personally, I've, I found tripoding like just amazing, like particularly from the over under pass and kind of thing. And it's just like the, the simplest things sometimes can be like really effective. Especially for that pressure passing, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I, I found his his grappling like that 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 side of it really fascinating. Like mm. how you said yourself, like it can be. You're not really sure whether it's either super technical and complicated or it's really simple. But he's just drilled it that many times. Could be both at the end of the day, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean the simplicity of it is. I mean, if we're like to count the number of actions. Like it's, I mean, in terms of a skill tree, it's relatively simple. Like, you know, it, it's just that, um, okay, yeah, can you get on top is the question. Then it's like, can you get on top? Okay, can you find a vertical surface to push one against? Because then your money, yes, this whole thing works if you have a vertical, if you have a cage or a, you know, a corner or something to push one against. It's, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. I, like, I love geeking out on that kind of thing. Like. Just getting into like like frame by frame by frame by frame, yes. okay, and then like getting it and then understanding it. Because for me, I don't know about you, but for me personally, I need it that slow. Because like otherwise, it just seems like magic. Like you're like, oh, that's yes. unattainable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Any. I mean, there's a yeah. Any anything at anything at sufficient speed makes us all look stupid. There's yeah. like, and we're all smarter when things are slower. Period. Mm. Um, so like there's, there's something to be said about it going frame by frame and like mm. what I do, um, in terms of analysis is look at things frame by frame and then just give it words. Um, mm. and, uh, you know, I'm not, yeah, I think people would be surprised how much they could observe with their naked eye if they just went slower with things that they admire. Mm, definitely. Now I wanted to touch on, on Kushti cause yeah. 
I know, like, I, I used to work security with a guy who used to do Kushti, but he could never really explain it right. So to give you a bit of background, he was he was given an Australian visa because he was really good at wrestling. Oh, cool. And that, his name is Amajit Singh. He was, like, in the 57 kilo category, freestyle wrestling. Okay. Right. And he's completely decrepit. He has one bad hip. He yeah. has one bad eye. He has no ears left. And but he could toss someone like you would not believe. Like guys twice. <laughs> I used to work security with him. And yeah, and he could he could toss people like you could not believe. Anyway, he could never explain it to me. Like he's just like, oh, you know, it's just we just wrestle, you know. So yeah. Like could you could you give us a bit of background on Kushti? It's like obviously it's one of the old, oldest wrestling sports in the world. Yeah. Um so uh, um, so it starts with the invasion of the Persians, actually, of, um, of, of Persic people and Turkic people. So this is actually um, something uh, quite interesting. So Kushti is actually Persian. Uh, it used to exist in, it still exists in Iran. Yeah. Um, and it was brought roughly a thousand years ago to the Indian subcontinent. Mm-hmm. And it, it displaced a, an indigenous form of grappling that existed in India um, called uh, Maliudda or Maliud. And uh, it was, and that, it, it, that form included submissions and stuff. So like people are, that's why when people say Jiu-Jitsu is from India, they'll, they'll say that. I have a you know, very strong opinion on that. I, you know, long story short, probably not. Like that's a, that's very much stretching the truth, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, Kushti is originally um, from Iran and uh, yeah, at this point, very popular and there's a bit, it has a very distinct culture built around it too, where the wrestlers live in the Akara, the academy, mm-hmm. and they uh, are vegetarian, they are um, celibate. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into being a, a wrestler um, mm-hmm. in these Kushi circles. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure as many of uh, your, rest, your um, listeners know, it's, you know, you compete in dirt. So it's a form of, it's basically clay and sand with some kind of oil. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like a, it's quite soft. And I was just talking to someone about this yesterday. It um, doesn't kick up when you're moving around it. So it doesn't, it still gets in your nose and stuff, but like it doesn't, you're not like choking like you okay. think you, like um, in, a, in sand or something. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's become quite famous in, uh, as an Indian form of grappling. And most, if not all, of the Indian uh, wrestlers that you can think of have at least a passing history in Kushti and in, in dirt mud wrestling. Yeah. And it's mainly done in summer, right? Excuse me? Is it's mainly done in summer? Um, well, no, I think, I think of it as year, year round. Um, so in, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pretty similar to maybe Northern Australia. There's like a, a dry season and a wet season. That's, yeah, that's right. So like it's, just hot it's like so it's like really fucking hot 
And then, uh, you know, then you have the, then it gets hotter and then you have the wet season. And like, that's kind of what, uh, you know, what it looks like. And I'm pretty sure um, these gyms are open uh, year round. Yeah. It, it feels very much like a community thing. There's like no money, no transactions happening at all. It's uh, very much a kind of this communal identity thing. Yeah. And another, another Indian, I guess, I, I guess you could call it annex to wrestling is Kabaddi. Now I've seen that. I remember going to a Kabaddi like game for like mm-hmm. a good word. I could not understand it. It was like lots of chanting. Lots, it was like <laughs> kind of like a chanting mixed with tag, mixed with rugby, like, like rugby yeah. sevens. Yeah. And then like, and then there was just like all these like, like a bonus area and then. Yeah. It was the most surreal thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, could you give me like any like? Could you write to me? Yeah, I don't. I don't know the history of Kabaddi, but Kabaddi as a as a game is really yeah. really fun. Yeah. So yeah, like you were saying, I mean, um, take a volleyball court, um, obviously take off the net, and then you have sevens on each side. Um, there's a raider um, that's trying to cross into enemy territory, tag as many as he can, and then run back uh, to his side. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, it's, uh, and then obviously the defending team is trying to tackle the guy before he can get back across. It's good fun. I actually, that, <laughs> now that you tell me, now that it reminds me of like, we, I actually taught this game to my friends in middle school Right. And we pl- we played like on uh, on his front lawn a few times. It was really really fun. Totally yeah. forgot about that man. Totally totally forgot about that. It seems and, like uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good fun. Actually, I remember I was playing with my dad once. And I heard his rib. But like, <laughs> other other than that, it's a uh, yeah great sport. And like you know, it's uh, totally teaches you how to evade and limp leg and kind of um, yeah. I don't even know what you call it. How do you break a tackle? Like you know. Someone's, yeah. someone's trying to hit you with everything, um, you know, strong their shoulder. How do you break a tackle? Mm. And, uh, yeah, great stuff. Great sport. I really like that one. Yeah. We used to, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's this thing well, in Australia, like there's this thing called British Bulldogs. Is that where you're running across the field? Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. okay. Like there's a lot, lots of broken noses involved in that one. Where it's basically- okay, wait, how, how do you play that? So basically, like, it's a whole, there's this one person starts in the middle and you've mm-hmm. just got to run, like, like a wall runs and he has to catch yeah. as many people. And then okay. it's, yeah. We used to play that too, yeah. Yeah. I think we used to call it sharks and minnows though. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, cool. It's one of those things that you just like. Broken noses? Yeah, like, because people <laughs> just like, because we have a, I don't know if you've ever seen Australian Rules Football. But it's all elbows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's all it's all elbows. So yeah, you, you get. I, I remember getting like my orbital like smashed in. Jesus. From that on, yeah. I actually. I, had I remember hearing about. I remember hearing about Australian rules football. I didn't I didn't even know it was a thing. I yeah. like I didn't know that you had a separate thing aside from like rugby. Yeah. And then um and then someone was explaining like oh yeah watch this shit and he showed me a techie. Mm-hmm. Which uh, like uh, like use? Oh, you mean a specky? Specky, specky. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yes, specky. Yeah. And I was like, where he use another man as a ramp to get yeah, the correct. Hilarious. 
you're, you're essentially using like the like their lower back and then like if you really want to get like some air time their shoulder and getting up there in full blueprints so like people get ripped up uh yeah yeah like they've kind of like in the 80s it was like it was full on it's kind of like how basketball has evolved like in the 80s like you could you could really hurt someone but now it's it's kind of they've stopped the, the contact of it okay okay so speckies are no no longer legal they are but like you it, there are rules to it i'm not a ball sports person at oh, all. Okay, okay yeah okay like i like soccer and that's about it but like okay. I'm, I'm strictly like kick punchy grapple yeah yeah, yeah. i understand yes same with me i can't i cannot watch baseball or cricket to save my life yeah oh yeah cricket that's one of those <laughs> ones man <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, tr- I think cricket is a little bit better than baseball. Yeah, than definitely ba- than baseball uh, because at least you have like the skill of like where do you place the ball and whatever else. But uh, yeah, I mean, still, I would much rather just like you know take a nap than watch <laughs> than watch cricket. That's right. Anytime, I, anytime, I, that's what exactly what happens. Anytime I watch a ball sport, I end up on the couch and be like, oh, cool, so I'm, I'm sleeping now. <laughs> yeah well anyway man thank you so much for this um of course it's been it's been great um thank you so much for your time i'm still getting the hang of this whole like speaking into a microphone but you've been so gracious man thank you so much oh of course dan yeah thanks for having me and uh looking forward to your future episodes awesome man thank you very much